So, but uh, the topic that we're going to work on today is uh, how to heal from a broken marriage. This topic was not a topic I was going to talk about, um, but it's a topic that many people brought up and say, well, how do you get over this? Because we did talk about one flesh, and the tearing of one flesh does what? It, um, it rips you apart, it annihilates you, it hurts you, and there's, there's so much damage um, that takes place as a result of the one flesh tearing apart, is how do you move on, and, um, um, and how do you, you know, get connected with another mate, or how do you remain single, um, and those things, or um, is it really important to move on? Um, the reason why this topic is also big is because, yes, um, in our minds, uh, we think, okay, how do I move on? And we try to heal our minds and those things. But even if you think that you have moved on, um, the chances are that you have not. And what I mean by moved on is I mean by, by healed, that you've been healed from this relationship, you know, that took place, the tearing of one flesh, this took place. Even though you move on, there's things that are still there. Um, and, and you don't even know them there. You, know, you don't even know them they're there. Um, but they, they um, how do I say this? They show up in your arguments. <laughs> that when you're arguing with your mate, say if there's a relationship in the past, you argue with your mate, um, and then all of a sudden the anger just, fear, just comes up extremely strong because whatever your mate said, it just, it just sparks a, a fire, sparks a, a spark, and then the aggression takes place. You wonder, well, where did the aggression come from? Uh, well, on all of us, um, it's, it's our past. The things that we've been hurt in the past, things we struggle with in the past, the thing that our parents did to us, all those things um, in regards to abs- um, um, being alone and those things, all those things come up and they come up in, in arguments because we are people that are more sensitive than we really even imagine and really even believe we are. So what we do is we have a tendency to shove things and one of the greatest areas that we just really shove um, is, our past, is our past relationships. Um, in those things. So how to heal from a broken marriage. Um, I will tell you that I researched it and I found little. <laughs> I mean, it just, just, just the basic research. I got to get over this marriage. What do I do? You know, in other words, I got to get over this, this relationship. What do I do? And it's just like, we'll move on, you know, um, to another relationship. What does that really work? You know, those are the information that I have, you know, start hiking, you know, get in the wilderness, you know, um, uh, find relaxing techniques, you know, um, try to erase it from your minds. So there's not a lot of teaching that goes towards the deep um, hurt, the deep hurt that, um, that is inside. So the only source we can go to is, um, is the Bible. And um, I will say that um, this is out of my ballpark um, in regards that um, we're talking about deep pain. We're talking about deep hurt. And, um, and we're moving towards the Bible um, in those things. And what I mean by out of my ballpark is that um, when you dig deep into the, the Word and try to heal uh, from the Word, it, my issues will come up with where I'm at. Your issues will come up with your at. And they'll be different as we dig into, as we dig into the Word. But the techniques that we're going to be looking at is some techniques that I do and work with with my issues, you know, in regards to, you know, in regards to uh, who I am, in regards to my past, um, in those things. So we're just going to walk through it, and um, and I will say that it's hard to say things across the board. Hey, this is how to heal, and the reason why it's hard to say things across the board is because every single one of us have a different story. Um, and what I mean by a different story is that my wife had an affair, or I had an affair, 
or we just split up because, you know, we got married when we were really young and we got a divorce six months later. You know, everybody has a different story um, in regards to this, but this is just in regards to how to heal and kind of that whole, that whole picture. So uh, number one, understand that your broken relationship is a result um, of sin. People read this and they think, well, that's a cop-out. It's not my fault. It's a result um, of sin. And then we overlook that. Um, we should not overlook the simple fact. All of our broken relationships are a result of something that has entered into us and something that is reigning inside of us. And what I mean of something that's entered into us and something reigning inside of us is when Adam and Eve committed sin, something embraced them, something went after them, and they chose a God besides God, and it was a God, Satan, a God of sin. And as a result, what took place? The annihilation of every relationship that has ever happened, that was ever good, that was ever holy, that was ever pure, that was ever clean, that was ever everything we desired was completely annihilated. Genesis 3, 6 to 24, we can watch what takes place in relationships. When you say sin entered the world, what do you think that sin came to do? It came to destroy relationships. Why did it come to destroy relationships? Because relationships is about everything. So watch what sin does. Then man said, the woman you put here. All right, what just took place? The man is attacking the lady right away. God asked a question. Adam, what have you done? They said, whoa, I, I, I didn't do it. The woman, he points directly, the woman did it. But if you look in the passage, there's two people that he blames. Who else does he blame here? He blames God. Look at it. The woman you, God, put here. Directly. So what happens with sin is as soon as sin comes on, it is so ugly we want it off of us. And so what do we do with it? We put it on the person next to us. Instantly, that's where it goes. The next person, the first words out of Adam's mouth, the woman, that her, you, God, put here. I have nothing to do with it. I, 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 I didn't do it. The first words out of Adam's mouth, with me. She gave me some of the fruit to the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, what? I can't take the sin. It's too much. The shame is too much. So where does she do? She puts it somewhere else. <laughs> Why? Because this thing that is honest is unbearable, and it's called sin. So they automatically transfers it where? Right over to somebody else, because it can't be me, right to the serpent. And I ate. And then after this, the strongest, most powerful sermon um, in the world took place. And this sermon was um, God is the preacher, and the congregation is Adam, Eve, and Lucifer. Those are the three that are in the congregation. And then God gives this sermon, says, all right, this is what's going to happen. And he starts, to, he starts to preach. Watch his sermon. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Who's he talking about? He's automatically talking about Lucifer and Eve. You guys were together. I will tell you now, you are going to be split apart. I will greatly increase your, chain, uh, your pains in childbearing. What does that mean? Does that mean it's going to hurt when you have babies? Yes. But is that the only hurt that's going to take place? Um, how do I say this without a person who gave birth? <laughs> I'll tell you the birth. I, I, my wife's not here, is she? 
the birthing process was very difficult on me. <laughs> yeah, my wife is not here. I would, I would be stoned right from the pulpit. Um, it, it is draining. I'm, I'm just speaking from a man's point of view. Um, and it was a billion times harder on her. I just say that. But after the birth was done, everything was perfect in raising my babies. There was no crying. There was always peace. I slept through the night every single night. We've had no mistakes whatsoever in raising my children. Yeah, right. <laughs> right from the right, right from the get go. Yeah, right is is it? Um, my my wife and I had to make agreement when we laid in bed that when our babies are screaming at night, we can't hold anything against each other. What we say to each other because we're half asleep and we're mad, <laughs> and, and so we always had to forgive. And sometimes. I'll never forget one time we woke up in the morning and said, what took place last night? Because <laughs> we were at each other. We forgot about it the night before. It's difficult. Tell me, is raising your children difficult? Is, is kids that are already raised, is it, is it difficult? Is there pain? Is there hurt? Is there a break in that relationship? And where does that pain, that hurt, that weight, that concern, that care, that, that fear, that all those things that took place when they are babies took place in junior high, take place in adolescence, but now taking place in, now they're married, now they're getting grandkids, all the way through giving birth, according to this passage, women will increase your cha- pains in childbirth, there's still, even beyond that, there is a difficulty that takes place in relationships with her kids. I tell you, it's work. And it would not be work if God wasn't preaching this sermon, but he's preaching a sermon. There'll be enmity between you and the woman, and then Eve also. There's going to be difficulties in your kids. It's just going to happen. It's going to take, it's going to take place. Uh, with your pain, you will give birth to children. And then they talk about the relationship with the husband and wife. Your, this is Eve, Eve's desire will be for your husband, but he will tell you what for. He will rule over you. In other words, Uh, your wife is going to come after you, and when she comes after you, um, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be um, men, and I'm just going to tell general, in general, they don't get um, complaints about being nagging, Um, and the reason why they don't get complaints about being nagging is their brains don't function at the high intensity levels that wives function. Wives see absolutely everything, and men can block some things out. And so as men block some things out, and I'm not saying they're not smarter, I'm just saying that they have the, the ability, and it's a whole mind study I won't get into, the ability to block things out. Women can't block things out because their mind always goes, and then what happens? They get this thing tagged on them. Why do you nag? Why do you nag? Why do you nag? You know, that's just that's what it talks about. It's a psychological function that, that they have because they see all the details and men are oblivious <laughs> to, to many things. And I'm just you know, talking general perspective. That's where this verse is coming for. Your desire will be for your husband. I will want, I want, I want, I want. But then he'll turn around and say, I'll tell you what for. What takes place? Again, an annihilation of relationship. With pain, you will give chill. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. To Adam, he said. Now he goes to Adam. Cursed is the ground. Your relationship that you had with the earth, the relationship you had with the garden, is now what? Is now destroyed. What do you mean it's destroyed? Well, when I was on the Pacific Crest Trail and I was hiking, um, 
there were some things that were following me that would not get out of my ears. They would not get out of my nose. They would not get out of my face. And they're called mosquitoes. And they would just eat me while I was walking. And the faster I walked, the faster they traveled. And they just wanted to live on me. And um, I was frustrated. <laughs> but you see what happens is that there's a relationship that's even broken with, with even the earth. According to Adam, he said, Curse is the ground because of you. So the Lord God banished him from the garden. Your relationship with the garden is now over with. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden um, of Eden a cherubim of a flaming sword. That relationship is severed, and you will not enter because that flaming sword will wipe you out if you even come close. Do you see what took place? Just an annihilation of relationships. And as these annihilations of relationships happen, what are we doing? We're coming together as two flesh again. And this is why I say, understand that we are broken when we come together. And what does broken look like? And Paul explains broken in Romans seven fourteen. I am unspiritual. This is the most spiritual person in the world talking right here. Paul the apostle. They were grabbing a hold of every word they possibly could. And his first words, I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I want to do, I hate. And if I do what I do not want to do, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. No, the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I don't do what I want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me who does it. What I want to do good, evil is right there with me. What a wretched man I am. And I heard somebody say, that is the only verse in the Bible I understand. Why do I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I need to do? We understand that. We, we, we know that. This is sin that is, is, is reigning inside of us. So then take two people and put them together and say, have a wonderful relationship. Um, it is not easy. Why? Because sin has come inside of that. And as sin is coming inside of it, it is there to destroy and so the reason why I say all that is to understand that it's sin is that there is no neutral relationship where you get to rest. There's no neutral relationship. As you get married, the last thing you do is say, now I'm married. I get to relax. I get to rest. I get to enjoy. No, there is an aggressive offense that has to take place, an offense in the word, an offense to understand Christ, an offense to, li- an offense to live like Christ, because Christ holds life. I laid down my life for the church like you laid down, lay down your wife, lay down your life like Christ laid down his life for the church to sanctify her. That's all offense. So when you walk in a, ma- uh, in a relationship, you have to be aggressive. And if you're not aggressive, what's going to happen? The sin's going to get the best of you. Aggressive means I need to know what's going on in my wife's mind, my Wife needs to go, need to know what's going on in my mind. They need to go, what's, what's going on in our lives. Uh, we need to be aggressive to forgive and get rid of conversations. We need to be aggressive to make sure that our, our, our pain, our frustration, our hate, our pain and our frustration is not carried from day to day to day to day. It's labor, it's, it's work, it's intensified because that broken relationship sits in between a couple, a husband and wife. So first thing, understand that your broken relationship 
um, is a result of sin. I'm not just blaming all on sin, but understand that when you marry somebody, you're marrying their sin, you're marrying their past sin, you're marrying the sins that have been committed against them, you're coming together, and it's like, okay, am I going to go to work, um, or am I not? You can't sit neutral. Number two, understand that your broken relationship is a result of broken people. You marry people's past, you marry people's sins, we um, are definitely broken people. What does that mean? That means, if you do Ephesians 5, that I'm marrying to sanctify my wife, to bring healing to my wife, to protect my wife, to build my wife, and she is a broken person. And she looks at me and says, oh boy, I married a broken person as well. And therefore, what I am doing is I have to be aggressive to heal my husband, to work with my husband, to satisfy my husband, to build my husband, and to take care of my husband. It's a huge responsibility. Understand there's sin in the middle, but also understand that everything from the past is going into a relationship, and we are broken people. Offense had better be happening. Psalms 73, 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant I was a brute beast before you. Uh, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. When I was a hurting person, when things were happening to me emotionally, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast. How would you like to be married to that? My wife is. <laughs> I mean, when we are hurt, what do we do? We have this instinct that is just pain. And I'm not talking about even hurt in our relationship. I'm talking about hurt before our relationship. Hurt in our relationship. What do we do? We turn into this brute beast. Well, what's my wife's job? My wife's job would be to heal me. This guy, good luck. My job would be to heal her, you know, in this relationship. So you can see the aggression that must take place. 2 Corinthians 7.10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leads no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. A lot of us have worldly sorrows that are bringing death inside of our relationship. But God says, all that is just there to design to destroy you. There is a sorrow that will lead to repentance. And if the sorrow did not lead to repentance, it's not mine. It's not there to restore a relationship. It's there to ruin you. So we walk in with all this, this baggage before, before we even get married. Number three, understand that a broken relationship is a picture of how Christ deals with his church. Um, this is the biggest understanding that we, um, we need to um, look into. Broken relationships result of sin. Broken relationship um, is a result of broken people. Um, is there any remedy to bring health and healing? Um, the reason why there's no information on this topic is because the Bible is the only one that gives remedy for the healing. And the healing is the picture of our broken relationship is a picture of Christ in his church. Now you're saying, no, 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 that's not correct. If you look in Ephesians 5, you're supposed to love Christ like you love the church. His beautiful picture is the relationship between Christ and the church, not an ugly picture. I would say the picture of a relationship of you and your mate being broken is a picture of how God responds to his church. Let me explain. Hosea. What's the book of Hosea about? Hosea is a, a prophet. 
And uh, it's not very popular to be a prophet. The reason why it's not very popular to be a prophet is because you have to walk in there and you say, Thus saith the Lord. And usually when you say, Thus saith the Lord, um, people are going to go, um, <laughs> Take you out. Um, and the reason why is because they're living their own lives, they're doing what they want, and you're saying, Thus saith the Lord, and you're sitting there as an individual speaking God, and it's usually judgment that comes through. Hosea's ministry was different than thus saith the Lord. Hosea's ministry was a prophet. And what his ministry was is I want you to show Israel how much I love them. I want you to show my people how much you love them. So here's how the passage works. Because God is going to say, I want you to show them how much I love them, but I don't want you to say how much I love them. I want you to show you how much I love them. Hosea 1, 2. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and do what? Marry a prostitute. Remember what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to obey God. Hosea is what? Clean? Hosea was pure? Hosea was a godly person? And he's getting instructions. And what's his instructions? I want you to go and I want you to marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This is an interesting command. This will illustrate how Israel how acted like a prostitute by against the Lord and worshiping other gods. All right, Hosea's a prophet. I'm a prophet. What are you supposed to do? Marry a prostitute. Why would he do that? Why would God instruct him? And then I want you to think about Hosea as well. Why would Hosea accept the instructions? I mean, should Hosea just turn around and say, God, give me a break. I, I am a person that's supposed to give your message, and you want me to marry another woman that, that sleeps around, marry another woman that has given themselves away. Why? He didn't ask the questions. What did he do? So he went, and he took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliane, to be his wife. Prostitute. Somebody that was not clean. Somebody that's not pure. Somebody, he's going into this marriage as a righteous man, marrying somebody who is not righteous. So if you look in the Hosea story, the Hosea story continues to go. He marries her, and as he marries her, they have a couple children, and as they have a couple children, she starts becoming unsatisfied with her relationship with Hosea. Remember the righteous person is Hosea, but she starts to become unsatisfied with him. So what does she do? She starts to venture off and starts to sleep with other men. She's married to a prophet, remember, but she starts to sleep with other men. And so Hosea has this conversation with God. Read the book. It's absolutely fascinating. Has this conversation with God and say, God, give me, what's going on? <laughs> you asked me to marry somebody that was a prostitute. I did it. And after I married her, and after I received her, and after I've been committed to her, and after I've been pure, and after I've done everything you've asked me to do, she is now sleeping with other men in this whole process. God, I have no idea what you understand, understand what you're doing, because I don't believe he did have understand what he's doing. No idea what you're doing, and this makes no sense to me. Therefore, you give me an answer of what to do. Do I leave her? Do I stay with her? God, I need some answers. And do you know what God's answer was? He said, yes, she's turned away. Yes, she's sleeping with other men. And what I want you to do is I want you to buy her back back. 
That was the answer. I can't say it out of my mouth. We've got to let the Bible say it. Hosea 3.1. Then the Lord said, go again. Love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery. I want you to buy her back. Hosea 3.2. So I bought her for 50 shekels of silver and about homer and a half um, and a, bought about a homer and half of barley. I don't know how much that is. But he purchased her back. And then he took her as a wife and says, sin no more. Um, this story is in the Bible. Why is this story in the Bible? Because when I read the story, I get mad. And the way I get mad is I get mad at God and how he treated Hosea. He used Hosea. He abused Hosea. And when Hosea was completely innocent, completely perfect, he said, you have to make the purchase of saving her again. And this story like this will make you, what, mad at God until you understand what the purpose of the story is. The purpose of the story is that I am the prostitute and Hosea is the picture of God. You see what has taken place is a broken relationship that is happening. There is a God that goes so far beyond it and I am the one that's cheating on my wife. I am the one that does not deserve God. I am the one that should not have God. And all the way through the Bible, you hear the words, stop committing adultery in a sense. Do not love the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. You adulterous people, this is who we are. We're Gomar. This is who God is. He's Hosea. And I'll tell you, Israel stood back and they saw the love of Hosea. And they said, I cannot believe that love that that prophet has. And then that whole love was completely exposed when Jesus came to the earth. And when he came to earth, he showed that love to the same prostitutes, the same people that do not deserve God, that should not have God. So what I mean by understand that your broken relationship is a picture of how Christ deals with the church. What did Christ do to the church? He forgave the church. He gave to the church. He poured out his life to the church. He committed himself to the church. I should not have him, and yet I do. So why do I bring that up? And why do I bring it up in context of broken relationships? This is the reason why I bring it up. Number four, um, put Christ, the only way to get through this, is to put Christ in your broken relationship by, prayer, uh, by parallel prayer journaling. <laughs> Sorry, it's P-P-P-P-P-P. Um, this is something that's helped me in my life. Um, the thing that has helped me in my life go through difficult times is I have to put all the difficult times in perspective and into a category. The perspective that I always do, the perspective that I put myself in difficult times is where I'm at and where God is at and what he's done for me. And when I put those two in perspective, I then put it on paper. And this is just walking through some difficult times as I'm going through this perspective, I start putting it on paper and I pray under that context. So the only healing, I'd say the only healing that you can have in regards to a broken relationship and getting through it is putting Jesus into the context of the broken relationship and do it by prayer journaling. What I mean by prayer journaling? This is just kind of some things that I kind of um, wrote out, um, just in a sense of an, an ex, an ex-wife. 
God, please forgive my ex the way that you forgive me. God, please forgive my ex the way that you forgive me. Or even in another sense, God, help me to forgive my ex the way that you forgave me. I should have given you these is what I should have done. I didn't give them to you, did I? Help me to forgive. Um, maybe I'll. Uh, I wish I had a handout. Sorry. <laughs> um, maybe I'll email them to you. If you guys want to shoot me an email, my name, you know, it's, it's on the website. Um, help me to forgive my ex the way you forgive me. See, what happens is we can say, God, I need to forgive my ex. But if you don't put Jesus in the category, you'll never forgive your ex. But if you put Jesus in the category, in, in your position, you are now putting God in there. And what must take place in your relationship to your ex is that you have to embrace the God that is over your ex and over your emotions. And so you're putting it in there. God, please help me to forgive my ex the way that you have forgiven me. God, please help me to love my ex the way that you love me. With that Hosea story in there. God, you love me this much? And you're asking me to love her that much? She doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. She should have it. But what you're doing is you're putting God in the center of it. God, please give me the strength to sacrifice my position the way that you sacrificed your position in heaven to come and save me. You can't say that without God. Because you say that without God, that's, it's insanity. But Jesus was absolutely full of his mind when he left heaven, came to earth, and says, I will forgive Mike, the prostitute, that I should not forgive. Putting him in that context, it comes with power because you're replacing that relationship. God, please help me to let go of the past the way that you have let my past go. What did he do with my past? I'll remember your sin absolutely no more. I have a clean slate, which is just a ridiculous statement that I cannot believe and it only take a God for, for me to have a clean slate. I have a clean slate from my past because God chose to wipe it clean. And then he looks at me and says, what? Take, do the same thing with, with your ex. Continue to go through God. Your mission to me was love and help. My mission to my ex should be love. This was God's mission. He was focused and he cried tears. And how can you have that mission in mind? God's asking it for that mission to be in mind. God, empower me to give kindness when it is not deserved, the way that you've given kindness to me when I have not deserved it. God, please give me the focus you had um, when on the cross, the way that I should have a focus of sacrifices given to me. God, please strengthen me. Like a father had strengthened you when we went to the cross. See, what you're doing is you're parallel praying, but as you're parallel praying, you're taking God's relationship with you and you're putting it in connection with your relationship with your ex. And if you start praying that way every day, what's going to happen? Is God is going to raise higher and higher and higher and trump the emotions that you're having with the relationship with your ex. But it has to be done every single day. So why, is this, why would this be important? The reason why it'd be important is because if we don't get rid of those emotions that took place from the last relationships, all those emotions will rise in our new relationships, in our new marriage, and they will come up um, again. Um, the worst thing that happens um, with divorce 
is you always take yourself with you to the next relationship. <laughs> if, if you could divorce and leave yourself in that relationship and have it done, your next relationship will be better. But the problem is, is if you divorce, you have to carry yourself to the next relationship. But when you're carrying yourself to the next relationship, you're carrying increased baggage, you're carrying increased pain, increased hurt, increased non-trust. Everything that you carried there, you're going to walk into the next one. That's why God is saying, you want to probably get down and get dirty and strong to make sure that's released. Because if, you, if it's not released, you didn't divorce it. <laughs> In other words, you didn't divorce the, you didn't get that, it's still with you, that emotional connection is, is still with you. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you, this is God talking, I will give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is God's desire that he wants to give us. Our heart of flesh does what? A heart of flesh feels. A heart of a flesh is emotional, a healthy emotion. A heart of flesh is joy when you should not have joy. And I'll put a new spirit in you and move you to following my decrees and, and, and be careful to keep my laws. So... I, I will send those, those uh, comments to you in regards to prayer journal if you respond to me and, um, and write them out. But I would encourage you to, everything you pray, put it on paper. Because what you do is you look at it. And then I, you go over and over and over it again. I have a prayer journal. What I do is I have the same prayers there. And I will pray the prayer. And it will spark me into praying for a long time. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes hours. You know, sometimes as we go through it, it's just like, how could people pray for hours? But if you have sparked prayers of, I'm going to work inside of my prayer like this, it will keep going and it will build you, it will strengthen you, and it will heal you in that process. Okay, number five, um, to heal your pain um, uh, through confession, journaling. Again, we have um, journaling, uh, but heal your pain through confession, journaling. Um, yeah. The, the, the belief out there is um, whenever I talk to somebody um, about a broken relationship, um, some people just say, you know what, it's all my fault. Uh, many people say, it's, it's, it's all my fault. Um, other people say, well, no, it's all my wife's fault. Um, it's all my husband's fault. Um, but they will take fault and they will, they will put fault um, somewhere. Uh, my encouragement is, Remember the beginning of the sermon? You guys were messed up when you walked in. You guys were a disaster. My wife and I are a disaster. Walk in, and all of a sudden we have to live together. We're working together, and we're living together, and there's, we're sharing everything together. Um, so instead of going from fault to fault, when you confess, just go to your journal and say, God, I am sorry for this that I did. I am sorry for not being there for not listening, for not paying attention, for not understanding, for not being an offensive person. What you are doing is on your paper, you are confessing, and you can be reading it over and over and over again because it's, it's, it's on paper. What confession is, is confession is speaking out. Um, when you speak out, there is a healing process that is in place. And how do you know there's a healing process that is in place? Um, have you ever gone to a counselor before? What does a counselor do? Does a counselor give you advice? He's not supposed to. Did you know that? I've been trained in counseling. And in counseling, what you do is the counselor needs to be 80% listener and a 20% talker. 
That's what your counselor should be doing. Otherwise, he's a bad counselor. Don't come to me. I'm a preacher, not a counselor. <laughs> so 80% listener and 20% talk. What he is supposed to do is he is supposed to guide you. She is supposed to guide you through your talking. So when you are talking and you're speaking, well, this is where I'm going. Well, how does that make you feel? When you start having counselors that are asking you questions, it's called therapy. <laughs> there should be trained in that. It's called therapy. I ask you questions to pull more of it out of you. And as you pull more of it out, you will say it on your tongue. And just by saying it on your tongue brings a healing process, brings enlightenment, and brings understanding. Just say the words. So what is confession? Confession is when you go, we are supposed to confess our sins. Why? God already knows our sins. But you don't. And when you say those words, there's a healing that takes place. That's what confession is. Say the words, God, please forgive me for this that I've done, because that's going to bring healing. Forgive me for this that I've done. That's going to bring healing. Bring, forgive me for this that I've done. It's going to bring healing. That's one category of, of, of journaling, your confession journaling. The other category is ask forgiveness for what your mate has done, your ex has done. God, please forgive him for what he has done. God, please help me to forgive her for what she has done. And see what happened? You're using that powerful tool of speaking out, because that's what the word confession means, speaking out, and as you're speaking out, healing is taking place just with the process of speaking out and that is not Bible. I'm just letting you know that's psychology. That's built into the human being. And what I mean by not Bible, I'm just saying this is what the world will teach you. This is what the world teaches you. Where do they get it? They get it from the Bible. And they get it from this word. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, speak out. If we say our sins, what happens? God is faithful, just, and to forgive us of our sins. And then he will cleanse us and wash us from the unrighteousness that I have done and the righteousness, unrighteousness that my mate has done to me. But see what you're doing is you're going to work on the paper of confession. Nobody hears it, nobody knows it, but you and God, but you're speaking, you're speaking it out. And it does carry a power. Heal your pain through confession journaling. Another system to put in place. I want to confess because I want it washed clean. I don't want this entering in my new relationship, my new relationship. Uh, letter A, just going really fast. Um, oh, I already kind of talked about confess what you did. Um, that's how you confess journal. Just confess anything, anything that has, comes up in your mind. God, I didn't pay enough attention. God, I wasn't observing. God, I wasn't watching. God, I wasn't playing offense. God, I let sin enter my marriage. God, I didn't compliment. You know, just those things. Just list them. I can sit down and I can list a thousand right now that I do to my wife. <laughs> I mean, this is what we, this is what we, what we do confess those. Confess what your mate did. Um, does she going to receive it? Is she going to look at it? Is he going to look at it? Is he going to receive it? No. But you're going to still speak it. Why? Because you need healing from it. Hopefully confessing will even get rid of the anger towards it. And then number C, confess how you, um, what you feel. This is what I feel, God. I don't know why I feel this. God, I don't want to feel it. God, I feel hurt. I feel anger. I feel frustrated. God, I ask for forgiveness of that because I want it out. What you're trying to do is you're trying to shovel it off of you. You're trying to get you're, you're getting rid of it through confession. Number six I'm going really fast here. Move towards the goal um, of forgiveness. Um, 
What is forgiveness? Well, we can give you forgiveness. And it's just a fast word. You know, it's letting go. But we have to ask the question, what forgiveness is not? Because if you ask the question, what forgiveness is not, it will answer what forgiveness is. If you look at the back of your, your notes, you will see a whole list of things um, coming from June Hunt that says, this is what forgiveness is not. And this gives you an understanding of what forgiveness is if you understand what forgiveness is not. And that list is there, so I do not want um, to uh, go through specifically for it, but I encourage you to read it. This is what it's not, because we have a misconception of what forgiveness, forgiveness is. So just looking really quickly through A, make a list of all the offenses caused by your mate. Again, what are you doing? You're putting it on paper. You don't understand how paper is powerful paper. As paper heals, paper makes, paper goes. I mean, it, it confronts, paper does everything. Uh, make a list of all your offenses uh, caused by your mate on paper. This is the offenses that I had. This is the hurt. This is the things that I've walked through. That list, that list is, is important. Um, letter B. Ask yourself, do I really want to carry all the pain for the rest of my life? When you look at the list and you see the pain, you feel the pain, it's not going to be fun to write, but as you're writing the list, you just have to ask yourself, is this what I want to carry into my next relationship? Is this what I want inside of me? Is this what I want to come up in my arguments in all of my relationships? Um, Ask that question. Letter C, ask yourself, do I want to carry that pain um, in all the rest of my relationships? When you see the list, you got to remember what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness is designed to do nothing but destroy you in every relationship that you're going to have afterwards. And what I mean a relationship is a relationship with your kids, relationship with your parents, relationship with uh, your next spouse, um, those things you don't want to carry into those relationships. And then D, uh, take the one who offended you off your emotional hook by giving the hook to Jesus. You'll see that forgiveness is not turning somebody loose. Forgiveness is turning somebody loose from you and giving them to God and say, God, I'm not the judge. You're the judge. I'll let you deal with that. But God, I must let go. There is some huge passages of scripture, and I think they were even mentioned here this last service and will be mentioned in the next service, is that forgive and and you'll be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Why would God make so radical statements like that? The reason why is because he gave us the book of Hosea. And the book of Hosea is God got into a bad relationship with you. God got in a bad relationship with me. And it's not only a bad relationship, it is continued bad relationship. But through that bad relationship, I see God's grace, I see God's mercy, and I see God's forgiveness. And when I see that bad relationship that God is in with me, he then turns and says, all right, you might think you're in a bad relationship. It's not as bad as the one we're in. I'll just let you know. Do everything I do and pour out to the mate and pour out to your ex, pour out to those people in regards to doing that.